but even when you're in the nursing home setting to include them in the session. So I think it opens up an avenue and a way of looking at therapy that we may have wanted in the past, but there were too many logistical things that we couldn't do. This is forcing us to explore the limits of providing remote care. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I'm a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome to this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast that you need to listen to to find out everything that you need to know about this phenomenal, confusing and world of the nursing home space. Uh, whether you're a professional, whether you are an operator, some, you're a service provider, you just want to learn more about this space, this is the place for you. Today's episode... We all know how coronavirus has affected the nursing home space. Uh, we know, unfortunately, how there's still so many nursing homes that are grappling with the tragic ramifications from, uh, from the coronavirus. And besides for the actual danger, there are so many practical applications and so many basic uh, daily operations were interrupted because of COVID-19, because of the coronavirus. Today, we're going to discuss something a little bit different. We're going to discuss the concept of teletherapy. Before we do that, let me introduce you to today's guests. So today we have the, the power sisters, if you will. Right? We have Amy and Evelyn Gutman of Hands-On OT, Hands-On Approaches, who are here today to share with us a little bit about what telehealth is, um, how it applies to the nursing home world, and some other good stuff that we're going to find out. So first of all, welcome both to the Nursing Home Podcast. Thank you very much. We're excited to be here. Looking forward. Yes, okay. thank you. So before we jump into the meat and the potatoes, which we want to get right into, if you don't mind just giving our listeners a little bit of a background so they know who they're listening to, they know enough about me. So a little bit about who you are professionally and how you came to doing what you're doing today in your company. Okay, I guess I'll start. I'm Amy, just for voice recognition. Um, I actually started in finance when I was finishing high school. I was interested in going into finance, but I had suffered as a child with a lot of sensory integration issues. So as a backup, I went for a bachelor's in occupational therapy and helped myself. And what I discovered is that I really enjoyed the field. And after seeing what it can do for my own lifestyle, I started pursuing doing occupational therapy after working on Wall Street. So at four o'clock, I would finish trading on the markets and managing money for a hedge fund. And I started working with children. And after 9-11, when a lot of my, um, my focus shifted, I actually went into occupational therapy full time and I focused on evaluating children. And that became really my big dream about helping the children that we treat. And my sister and I actually, we have a private practice where what we do is we teach the parents what to do with their children. They do the programs at home and do home exercises. And that's how they help get their children's results in helping them with anxiety and processing delays. And that's really my story of how I got wow. into this. 
And I'm Evelyn, and I also have a financial background. I was actually heading to be an accountant because I figured there were so many OTs out there who needed another one. And I was about to um, actually, I got a position from a big six firm, and I realized it wasn't really the path I wanted to take. So I switched my profession and became an occupational therapist. And I actually started out in the nursing home field. I worked two years in a nursing home in a subacute acute setting. And there were a lot of changes that were going on in the nursing home business at that time. They decided to restructure the department. So it sort of like shifted me into the pediatric realm, where I also started out working with hundreds of children in early intervention in school settings to get a feel for the different populations and environments that are there which ultimately led me and my sister to starting this practice that my sister just mentioned, where we work now with children, because we found that when we work directly with parents, we just get the results that we would like to achieve where we get a lot of gains in progress. And our practice has been shifting and changing and adapting as we've been going through the years and have been really effective now with what's been going on with COVID. And after a while, we opened up Hands-On Approaches, which is a continuing education company to help train therapists and teachers in our approach because we have a unique approach in really providing, it's not very common that you have a lot of OTs doing therapy more with the parents and teaching them what to do. So it was a unique approach. They wanted to know how we were getting these results. And yeah. we've been very fortunate to work with therapists from around the country through our classes and learn the different components that are affecting the industry around, you know, nationally. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing uh, what you've already uh, shared and your fascinating background, which is something which resonates with me personally, because you probably, I don't know if you know that my other podcast, which uh, I'm not promoting, but it is the Love Your 9 to 5 <laughs> show. Um, and that, you know, is where, where I, you know, track different people's careers um, of how they left what was, you know, life set, you know, in place for them. And they chose something that's a better fit with who they are naturally and what their calling is. And both of you really did that, which is fascinating. But back to the nursing home podcast here. So yep. right now there's a tremendous challenge in the nursing home space. Therapists in some places, uh, especially where Corona is still very strong, are somewhat reluctant to show up to work. We know that there's always shortages and challenges in staffing in nursing homes, and COVID-19 did not make it any easier. So I, what is this concept of teletherapy? Is it possible? Let's just state the obvious. How in the world can you do physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, any type of therapy that generally is very involved in physical contact? Is it, how can that be done remotely? Does it work? And what, is, what does that say to the nursing home space? The question that actually we grappled with because of the fact that our therapy in this realm of our business where it has on OT, most of all of our therapy was physical contact, one-to-one -one therapy, face-to-face. -face. And it's something that is a little worrisome when you think about, oh, can you do this in a way where you're not going to have that contact? You won't be able to physically touch someone. And it is something that is doable. And it surprised us, in fact, about how doable it is and the results that we're receiving through it. The thing that you have to do is you have to think about all the variables that you need in order to make it the most effective um, therapeutic tool. And just mention one of the struggles we had when we were dealing with this crisis, because it's a little different when you kind of can plan for it. For example, if you're dealing with out-of-town folks and you know that that's happening, you can have them come in, show the certain components, 
and then just carry over through teletherapy. But when this happened, there was no warning. There was a big demand. We had to shift gears very quickly. Like my sister said, mentioned, it was surprising. We also didn't want them to be wasting their time. I mean, if you are doing teletherapy, how do you make mm -hmm. sure that the results are happening? So just to give you an idea. So for us, we, like we said, we shifted gears right away. And there are so many things we look into. For example, the technology that you need to make it the most effective way, making sure that the, like our clients had the technology. For us, a lot of our clients had minimal exposure to even how do you interact on the internet? How mm -hmm. would you do this? How would you set up your environment to make sure it's the most therapeutic um, thing? Which platforms are suitable and which ones aren't suitable based on being able to angle, share your screen. Some of them don't allow that. So it was a whole new education for our clients and just teaching them about technology. And we, we sort of like figured out how to do that. But once we figured out our platform, once we made sure that our clients knew um, what they were using, we would do test runs with them before we even had the session to make sure that they were comfortable with the process, that they knew where volume is and where they, they knew how to communicate in the chats. Because I also think, you know, since my background is also in the nursing home field, I thought a lot about when I was doing this, like, you know, my colleagues who are in that field, like, how will you do it? And you have to, like, with the nursing home, you have things like hearing and vision limitations. You have physical limitations that are going on or language barriers. And if you do the research and you plan accordingly, many of these platforms have within them things that will accommodate to that. Like I know Zoom has, you can put interpretations on, you can do things like making sure they have an interpreter with them. So that would be the basics of setting up the environment so that they're able to actually enjoy the technology or use the technology, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. And then just having them be prepared for the session on both ends. Therapists have to be much more yes. planned out for teletherapy even though you're not going into work physically and you're not having to pull out the equipment and all, there's a lot more of a thought process when you're doing a half hour session or a 15 minute session, whatever the mandate is or whatever the insurance is covering, than when they just mm -hmm. come in and you have the equipment right there. So there's a lot of foresight that has to happen on the therapist's part and on the patient's part because that client has to maybe have materials present you need to send them something before, maybe an email or shoot them a message and tell them what they'll need for that session. And there's a lot more challenges in the preparation and the timing as far as when you're doing your sessions. I think for yeah. us also, which would be, I don't think it's a challenge in the nursing home, but you know, we had to have make sure that the parents are, for us, the parents are always there, but we speak a lot to other therapists and guide them in terms of how to run teletherapy in their practice. And this was a change in the fact that for many therapists, parents were not involved or, or present in the session. But you sometimes do need someone there to help, particularly, I would think, in the nursing home setting, because you're there one-on-one -on -one with the client when you're doing your session, and right. now you may need a nurse or an aide or someone there to help with the physical um, components of what that therapy patient may need, whether it's a transfer you're going to be doing. So there's a, the more variables, even when you are one-to-one, -one, you can't control. So it's just, there's more thought that goes into it, but it's so doable and very rewarding when the sessions go well as well. Well, well, okay. So a very, very, uh, you know, full response to the question. I appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I, let, let me just see if I could process that and take this one step further. So sure. 
Well, what I'm what I'm hearing clearly is that it's certainly not the easier way out, and the simpler and simpler way to do it obviously would be in person. This is something that, like you were doing pre-COVID with out-of-town clients, and during COVID when people can't, um, you know, do things hands-on. So then, you know, this is a solution. Uh, but it, this is the reason to do this solution is not because hey, I could sit home drinking my coffee and prop up my laptop and, you know, put on my earbuds and say some stuff to someone there and bill insurance for it. Certainly is not something yeah. that's simple. And it seems like the, the therapist needs to be much more present and focused, much more prep. Um, and you have, like you mentioned, the family dynamics, making sure our parents is present to assist on the other end of the phone, on the other end of the computer, I guess, and to make sure all the technology works well. So even before you start, uh, doing it. Right. It sounds like from what you're saying though, that the technology can and does work once you work through these kinks and you're willing to do it. What about the effectiveness of the actual therapy? You set it up, everything's good. We know the therapy, we know the technology and you did all the steps that you just mentioned. Does it really work? So that's again, what we were very surprised about is because again, we had, we had anticipated it for clients, let's say who were out of town. We knew what movements we had to show them before. So it surprised us that when we were thrown into the situation with COVID-19, that the showing the parents or the child what to do through the screen, it was more effort on our part. We would actually do the movements to show them instead of, you know, you, you normally don't do that in therapy. The therapist has to do all the complete movement. You just explain mm -hmm. it or show it, and then they implement it. But mm -hmm. we found that there was good turnover, which is very optimistic for us, and we were surprised by that. There was a good effect. Back, there was also a lot more of um, a transference of skill because they had to figure out how to do what it is that they were doing and they were involved in the therapy a little bit more than we would have expected so the mm -hmm. effect was pretty positive which is which is a nice thing to hear because even um, just to mention I'll broach this subject because I know it's important in all spectrums whether geriatrics or pediatrics a lot of the accrediting agencies and insurance companies are not so sure about the effectiveness of teletherapy. Some states actually do not um, reimburse therapists for that. It's very mm -hmm. much state-specific state as far as what they'll reimburse. And I am sure that with this change, we're gonna see how the effectiveness of therapy is something that can happen through teletherapy. And we're gonna see a big shift in the industry, I think, as far as accepting this as another mainstream protocol of providing target-based therapy because we right. did see in our practice that it was very responsive i will be honest with pediatrics you have a child who's on the spectrum or who was very involved with autism or had major regulation issues they did have an effect but it was obviously a much more difficult situation so i would imagine if you're dealing with someone who needs a lot of passive range of motion and the family member or aide is not able to handle that patient on the other side in the geriatric situation that might be a little bit more difficult, but there still is an effect. I also mm -hmm. feel just to add in, like, um, it doesn't, teletherapy, we still believe should not take the place of one-to-one -one contact. I think that that is still an essential component of treatment. But when you look at it from the perspective of sometimes you can't reach a patient or someone, a client can't come in, or even in the nursing home setting where you have staff that may not you know want to come in or there's you know for some reason you want to maybe branch out. or you want to branch out to include therapists from different places it's a good opportunity if you you know eventually were able to mix both 
people going into the setting and doing teletherapy, it's a good way to also encourage and to facilitate carryover in a better way because you can show it maybe once in person eventually when we can do that. And then you can also have most of the sessions, you know, afterwards through teletherapy. And I think it's going to promote more progress than sometimes not having it at all. Just to give you an example in our practice of a client, there was a couple of clients who were so hesitant about doing teletherapy, they just canceled their sessions with us. Right. They kept pushing it off. But unfortunately, because of the breakout here in New York in the tri-state area, there was a point where their children were really needing the therapy and they kind of, I'm putting in quotes, gave in. Um, mm -hmm. And they they got to the point where they realized that it's it's kind of also a psychological shift for people on the other end they're like oh this is not hands-on so i'm not really getting what i'm paying for or what i need and what they realize is that there's just a change the, the shift comes from the person on the receiving end understanding that they have more of an obligation and in being involved in the process and in the same way that our practice is all about that anyway where we're teaching the parents what to do so that they can empower their children and take the responsibility we found that the children themselves were more motivated because they were, it was like face-to-face -face in that sense, while we're instructing the parents, they're kind of being the example and doing it. So the effectiveness was pretty surprising to us. Yeah. It was honestly surprising, and it's definitely something that moving forward, COVID-19 or not, we're implementing as part of our practice structure moving forward. Well, well no, yeah. that's really fantastic. And I also appreciate the transparency. They didn't just say that, oh, it's the same thing. I mean, it's probably difficult if your company is called hands-on. But even without that, <laughs> yeah. um, but the you know, it, it's not the exact same thing. There's certainly a learning curve. There's a mind shift that has to occur on the client side. They have to be willing to step up their game. Again, in COVID, I'm sure in a besides with actual therapy, you were probably, you know, you, um, I guess a distraction from the boredom or whatever else is going on in each home that you're entering remotely. You know, it, it, it may have been a welcome. I don't know. But, but what you're saying is that it certainly has a place. And in general, the healthcare space has been reluctant to embrace new technologies, specifically when they feel challenged to establish practices and norms within the medical space, which is why in the telehealth in general, it was taking a very long time to take hold. And although the upside you know, is fantastic, and as you know, right, um, the regulations, many regulations have been lifted at least temporarily, in order right. to make that available to a broader client base. And once that's happened, you know, people have seen the, the fantastic results. I'm talking specifically in a nursing home setting. It doesn't mean right. that but it's perfect. Right, but just to also have a disclaimer on the other end, be devil's advocate, there are a lot of disadvantages in some patients that we, we think that, you know, we're not really clear, as like I mentioned, more involved in our practice, more involved children more spectrum or can't be regulated or have significant regulation issues they, they're not benefiting as much and the person on the other end is actually getting more frustrated by the process of teletherapy because you don't have that human contact that they need so i'm not sure you know even though it's amazing there are definitely cases where we could see why there would be hesitation i would imagine for someone who's more neurologically involved but more than right say, or perhaps you know needs more assistance in the nursing home setting. Like if you're gonna teach transfers to someone, you you know, you have to be physically engaged in that act sometimes with the patient. So you would need to have that extra support. And also I think it's important that you have that relationship, especially I remember in the nursing home setting, 
you have to touch upon like making that connection with the patient. So there are things you have to work on a little bit beforehand. And like you said, like know in advance that those may be things that will affect the session. So, but it is doable. I right. think, I think you is. just have to plan it out. And I think when you said the regulations being removed, I know for us, it forced you, it forces you, but at the same time, it opens up so much opportunity to try this out and figure out within each, I think, practice and with each setting, what you need to make it work so that you can go back and say, you know what, this is what's working in therapy. This is why I think it should be covered. And I think it's a wonderful opportunity, even though it was very scary for many to think about going into this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, which, which is definitely true. Um, and it, again, like you said, we're, the, the world in general is exploring what the place is for telemed- providing you know, telehealth remotely in any type of, you know, any type of care. And you know, from the nursing home standpoint, to, to outsource uh, the therapy department, have an empty gym and just a bunch of computers, it certainly cannot work. Um, no. If there are some therapists there, um, who are in person and some are remote and maybe you have certain ones are more skilled, um, but they don't need to be physical. Again, we could, really what we're doing with everything, let's just, if we just zoom out for a second at a 40,000 foot view and even out of healthcare, but what COVID has forced us to do from a professional standpoint is it forced us to say, okay, all of these face-to-face hands-on interactions that we're having in any business and not even business, I'm going to go even broader, even in personal lives, how much of it is really required to be hands-on? How much of it is really required to be in person? And what can we accomplish and keep our lives going with the blessing of the internet, but, you know, using it correctly for, in such a productive way? So, for example, many, especially larger corporations, are flying executives all over the country, all over the world for sometimes senseless meetings and you know, blowing thousands, tens of thousands of dollars on these weekend retreats and all this. And sometimes they're finding that other remote events that cost close to nothing are more effective or as effective. And some things they're finding are not effective. But what we're being forced to do is, okay, we can't do things in person. We're forced to figure out what can work remotely. Let's figure this out because this, this even when, hopefully soon, we, you know, we can do whatever we, we were used to doing in person. It could, it, could, it could have major, major advantages. Think about a home care company, which is probably a better um, example for in the geriatric, better application in the geriatric world um, than a nursing home setting, where generally they're going to have, it's going to be staffed to some extent. But think about in the home care setting. So if a, if a therapist is coming in once a week and trying to teach certain new skills to a resident who's living at home, Imagine if they could add two sessions a week of checking in. First of all, the lonely, you know, elderly person at home certainly wouldn't mind. But more than that, you could reinforce those skills. You might find that a process that used to take six weeks now takes two weeks. Or a process that took six weeks now can last for six months instead of having to be revisited. You know, it could be that much more effective. I think you bring a very important point up in that because... When you think when you bring up the home care setting, I actually think it's going to first of all two things: the emotional piece that you mentioned to be able to give them the support. I find that even though we couldn't do one-on-one therapy, our clients needed in the beginning of COVID more emotional support 
then they needed actually what we do with them physically. So for the residents that are our patients that are at home, it's an important piece. And it's actually when I was in the nursing home um, and I was sending patients home, it was something that I always worried about. They have so much support when you're in a facility that when you go home or you're giving therapy at home, you may not have that. And it's good to be able to give that to them. And I also think it's great because we'll be able to incorporate the caregivers in a more active way than perhaps we would have in the past because you can always, if you're using Zoom, have the caregiver also in on the session if they can't make it to their parents' home or to their loved one's home. But even when you're in the nursing home setting to include them in the session. So I think it opens up an avenue and a way of looking at therapy that we may have wanted in the past, but there were too many logistical things that we couldn't do. So in that, and there's nothing negative about that piece, I think. I think having that interaction and families involved is always good for the mental and physical health of the person that's receiving the service. Yeah, and just to touch on the point that you were saying, how the effectiveness is gonna be transferred by that ability to be more engaged, or what you're saying with time, right? The most valuable Mm -hmm. um, commodity nowadays, honestly, is time. My sister and I are having more opportunity um, to be able to give to the community or to our clients or to create more informational sources out there because the last three months we were not traveling to give our courses and we weren't um having to have those extra moments with those parents before and after just getting their coats their bearings you know Mm -hmm. they come from the session so there even though it seems minute you know and the bottom line is your time is such a commodity nowadays we can see how we can cut not cut corners but change or transform the way our time is being sent to be used towards more productive and effective means. And it's a powerful, as individuals who have a degree in finance, we always look at beta, you know, like what is the risk reward? Where is the, where are we getting the biggest bang for our buck? And in this industry, I think definitely what you touched upon, the idea of having the therapist just check in is going to be huge in our attainment of goals. I do think that we're still going to have to think about, um, you know, those, those individuals who will need handling, like right. those who need physical therapy for vestibular issues and there's handling of the head. It's a little tricky to teach that to someone um, through the overline or transfer, like my sister mentioned. It's a little bit of a liability, right, for a therapist to teach a family caregiver when they don't know what that person's strength is or what their ability is to transfer a patient. So there are going right. to be still limitations, but I think the administrators need to keep that in mind before they approve certain protocols and allow things because they don't want that additional risk on their end. But mm-hmm. if you look at the risk reward, I think it's definitely leaning, the, the scale is tipping towards the positive. I think when right, we right. get to that, yeah, go ahead. No, what I'm saying is that this is forcing us to explore the limits of providing yeah. remote care. There certainly are limits. And like you said, if you're gonna have to teach uh, someone who's you know in their 70s or 80s or 90s and they have their spouse you know, doing a set to sand transfer or something like that. If you're a therapist, if it doesn't work out, you're holding them. You got the gate belt. Right. You know, nothing's going to happen. Right. But if it's the spouses there, they're both going to end up on the floor, God forbid, and going to have exactly. a problem. So right. that's yeah. something that to do that would be a potential disaster. But if they already know how to do it and they already went home with a safe discharge and let's say hopefully did a home eval and they have a company that's coming in and now you, they need a reminder or they need the next step or they need, you know, their whatever it is, you know, something... You know, adjustments could be done perhaps again this is all exploratory but this is forcing us to know this 
right? Just to mention in our own practice with our evaluations, people were like very surprised that we were not open to doing our full evaluations because some of our testing is neurological and, ref and we mm -hmm. do some reflex integration work. And that's something you really need to see the child. I can't have the parent try it out and see how it goes because you need to be there to make adjustments. And there were people who've been waiting for a while for an eval and they were upset. They're like, can't we do this through the computer? And we're like, honestly, there's no way I could do that. That would be a huge liability for you to have a child who maybe were triggering a seizure in. Like, there's no way I'm gonna do that. So there's an ethical stand as to what a therapist should do and what they shouldn't. And I think that's where the, in the past, the hesitancy was in approving it across the board. But I think we're gonna change and shift the entire industry to sort of revisit this because we're seeing what can work and what we need to leave with to which also based on what you're saying what you cannot do i think in all industries in the healthcare profession i think it's going to restructure also the requirements that we'll have of those individuals who will be going into the home and doing those evaluations right. they're going to have to be really good clinicians to assess the risk of whether you can do teletherapy can you go and evaluate and then say okay Let's have the therapist do the teletherapy. So I think in anything, it's, it's given us a little more of a responsibility for the oversight of what does it mean when you're doing something in person? What does it mean when you're going to be doing the teletherapy? And hopefully it will you know, lead to better standards of care that we'll be giving mm -hmm. to people. Right. right. I mean, this should be able to supplement what we're, we're already doing. And just to be clear for anyone who's listening, they're getting nervous about that all of a sudden all doctors and all caregivers are going to be sitting home on the couch all day drinking a beer, no. giving out care. No. That, that is never going to happen. You know, no. the, caring for the human body is definitely a hands-on physical approach. But this is something that can certainly supplement and we're forced to, to really clearly define uh, what it can supplement, what it cannot. The fact that this wasn't allowed across the board until now is the right thing. And the fact that it shouldn't be allowed across the board for everything going forward is also the right thing. What we're doing right yeah, now right. is I agree. So figuring it out. Even in our own practice, people were shocked that we do not treat the children and handle them twice a week. Like in our state, the mandated normal therapy through the educational system is twice a week, 30 minutes with a child. And my mm -hmm. sister and I, based on science and research that's in our profession, we saw that parent involvement every single day had a greater impact and effect. And we started this trend here in the tri-state area to sort of, we're trying to get them to understand this component, the educational system and the state legislator, that we're shifting the way that therapy is being given based on our approach. It takes time, but we're seeing the results because the children that we work with don't end up with supplemental services. So I think it's gonna take time for people to see, like you said, this how we can supplement and proceed with it, but you still have to handle the child or the adult in this case. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, it's just gonna take a time for this trend to come through, I think. COVID wow. or not. I think, it's, I think it's still going to be going on. Yeah, and again, you're opening up a much bigger conversation. Because I know I mentioned to you uh, the first time we spoke is that I'm actually doing this. My wife is actually doing this every single day with one of my children. And okay. yeah, it, it has been very, very effective. And it, in a way, it feels like we're doing all the work. <laughs> the therapist just checks in once a week. But, <laughs> but <laughs> really, that's not what's going on. And again, we're doing stuff remotely also. But let's just for the sake of time, we've, we've um, the time is flying away from us. Before we, first of all, thank you for both for coming on and sharing of your knowledge. What both of you do is fantastic. You're not just 
therapist because you decide you want to be a therapist more than in the finance space. You're actually creating new systems. You're, you know, evaluating what works and what doesn't work. And like you just mentioned, you know, what the industry norms are doesn't phase you. If you see something works differently, you're going to do that to make sure yeah, you're providing the best possible outcomes, which is why it's so refreshing to talk to both of you. So first of all, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Before we go, can you leave our listeners? I know you mentioned you had a special offer uh, for our listeners. Uh, can you leave that information? And also if they want to learn more about, about what you guys are doing um, and where can they follow you? Sure. So because there is a big need for the therapist to get right into teletherapy, we actually created a quick one-hour course called Teletherapy Tips. And you can view that course on our website at www.handsonapproaches.com. It's one of the on-demand webinars. And for your listeners, we've created a coupon code of SNF15 for a $15 discount. It's capital SNF1515. And our courses are accredited by AOTA Physical Therapy Boards of most states and ASHA for the speech pathologists and social workers. on-demand courses that are being given by some of our speakers who we vet very very well and we've actually been able to convince them to do some online courses so they're all on that website as well in different fields we actually have one for the geriatric population on bppv which is for vertigo and balance and we actually set up a studio in this physical therapy's home and he did all the exercises online it was it was the first time that it's ever been done online and it was very exciting so we actually wow. have that all there yeah and um if they need to reach us they can always contact us at info at handsonapproaches.com and we do have a free podcast for parents who are dealing with children with anxiety and sensory integration called quiet the noise you can listen to that for free and my sister and i are very blessed and honored to mention that we started a nonprofit called the Hope Foundation, the Hands-On Parent Empowerment Foundation, where we're going to be giving education and support to parents who would like to prevent anxiety and processing delay. And you can learn about that also at our website or on Instagram at Hands-On Approaches. Wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot out that, there. That is so, so really, thank you for sharing so generously of all those resources. And the listeners who are busy writing stuff down, or if you're in the car and you're, you're typing on your phone, put it down. Um, all the links will be shared in the show notes and you will be able to see all of these resources that they will be there for you. So thank you, Amy and Evelyn, for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast today. I really appreciate the time that you shared uh, with our listeners and also for generously sharing your experience and your knowledge um, in this Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd rate this podcast and let everyone else know what an amazing resource this is for those wanting to learn anything and everything about the nursing home industry. So head on over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home. Leave me a review and let the world know what an amazing show this truly is. Thank you so much for listening and make sure to stay tuned and subscribe so you don't miss any other episodes.